Hey, where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Three squares? You can't spare three squares? No, I don't have a square to spare. I can't spare a square. I knew it. I'm surrounded by assholes. Welcome back once again to the Gag Reel Podcast, the very, very unnecessary podcast where we talk in uh, in deep spoiler discussions to ridiculous degrees about comedy movies and television and break down and ruin the jokes because I don't think anyone else is out here doing it, so why not? Yeah. I am the host of the podcast, uh, Ryan Scanlon, and I'm joined, per usual, by my brother, William. Hey, are you ready to talk about a movie? Because I am. I think I'm actually, I'm feeling pretty groovy this time. Oh, yeah? I'm feeling... uh, Smashing. I'm feeling smashing, yes. That's a good way to put it. And yeah, yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk in full detail now about all the good and bad bits in Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. When the world comes under threat from a man so evil, he's known as Mr. Evil. Dr. Evil, I didn't spend six years in evil medical school to be called Mr. Thank you very much. There is only one Soul Bossa Nova, Quincy Jones, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a jam. Sometimes that song will get stuck in my head. I think we did that in middle school band, like marching band. <laughs> oh, really? Quick side note before we get into anything, this is, this is a... Uh, connected in a weird way to another movie i watched a lot as a kid mortal Kombat, and that george Ah. s clinton yeah not george clinton no don't get that confused with george clinton who is a very influential and very important black funk musician no this is a white dude who makes synth music and uh and, and you know and scores and he did the music for austin powers and austin powers three do you think he made it places thanks to his name i don't know but that'd be really funny (laughs) if he showed up and they're like wait oh oh, (laughs) well we already signed all the paperwork what do you got i guess we'll use whatever you're gonna play us because this is an awkward position (laughs) so yeah I i mentioned last time that um this was a pretty fun rewatch for me Actually, you know, despite all the rough edges of the movie and all the jokes that I've seen like way too many times for them to still be humorous to me, it's still like I was trying to kind of view it from a lens of like, you know, what, what, trying to remember like originally seeing these bits and and not being able to just quote most of them kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it starts right off the bat with like, even though... uh there, there isn't much kind of good comic moments for a few minutes into the movie. I feel like it has a great start with the cold open and then into the hard day's night yeah, uh, the, montage. Yeah, the whole Beatles thing. And yeah. I thought it was fun. It was, a, it was a fun opening. It did a good job of introducing the fact that, you know, in the 60s, he was, you know, the bee's knees. Yeah. And, it seems uh, like they had a ton of fun just emulating the 60s filmmaking and really leaning into all those references and I got some chuckles out of it. I, I really liked uh, how he disappears and comes back with an entire band. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, wait, I thought he was on the run. What's going on here? And the the magazines with his face on it and he's hiding behind it. And... That's classic. Mm-hmm. Classic stuff. The only, the first dialogue joke that we get, though, 
did not age well. The, that's not a lady. That's a man. Oh, man. That was, no, that's like, awful. I feel like I would consider that the first real joke of the movie. And, uh, or like, you know, if we're just talking written jokes, not just kind of screen gags. Yeah. And it, you know, not really much of a joke. The only, I feel like the only thing that, uh, is still, you know, a salvageable nugget there is just the fun work, uh, that went into the, the effects there and, and the makeup and it just being such a like obvious change, you know, kind of mission impossible style from this, you know, beautiful woman to suddenly, oh yeah, that is. A hundred percent, just a very different performer. Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a dude. Yeah, I feel like and, the the way they shot that makes it humorous in, in yeah. a way. It was a, it was a, yeah, it was kind of, yeah. eh, and it set up a later joke that was even worse. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. It was like after that, I I think it took it took until that point to like set itself as James Bond esque, and so I thought mm-hmm. the introduced introduction of Doctor Evil by not showing his face. In a way that they did in, um, I believe it was the Spy Who Loved Me, where they, uh, the James Bond had lost the rights to their Blofeld character, oh. and so in order to bring him into the movie, they had to they they did this whole lavish twenty like ten minute sequence at the start of the movie, mm. where they never showed the character's face, but it was Blofeld's outfit, which is the same as Doctor Evil's the 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 gray suit, yeah. And uh, they never showed his face. They just kept showing him shooting rocket launchers and in a helicopter and doing all this stuff. And so I thought they, they did a, a good job of, you know, setting the stage for being, uh, you know, James Bond adjacent parody. Yeah. And I, I think that that leads to this fun build up too when they finally, you know, are having dialogue with one another of, you know, with them being the same character. I feel like they're yeah. really playful and smart with that of really saving that. Yeah. until the end of the movie and it doesn't feel like a, a gimmick kind of thing through through the whole movie really uh in my opinion just because the austin and dr evil are such different characters and he really absorbs into both those characters yeah and it, it almost seems like it was just you know a creative choice rather than a comedy tradition and uh a shtick for the sake of it yeah i agree and so we jumped to the '90s, and I I liked the the sequence with I, I liked when the the general was going to go to England England, and uh, so they they set up all the different frames all in the same shot. Yeah. With uh with the uh, doing all the things, pack my bags, do this and that. Oh yeah, feed my fish. Not, Not too, too much. much. Yeah. That I, was a great filmmaking joke. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was fun. Immediately scooping out all the fish flakes that they had poured in. Yeah. Yeah. Super funny. Uh, And that was one that I had forgotten about. And in in, in episode one here, in in part one of our Austin Powers, you said that the the reestablishing, I forget what they call it, of his, you know, defrosting basically process. Yeah. You you thought it was a little little trite, a little long. Um, No, I I thought the sequence was fun. I, I... I, I I enjoyed you know Gary Coleman and Vanilla Ice and uh, then like the the I, I enjoyed the sequence I, I you know I just remember as a kid laughing so hard at him taking at you know twenty peeing. minutes yeah. to pee but now I'm just like ah oh, that was that's yeah, kind of funny but it goes uh, on a little too long I like the commitment 
you know, the commitment, it, it, yeah. it takes a little bit of balls to like be like, let's make this bit 30 seconds long. I think that that's the kind of moment that works really well in a theater of everyone kind of looking yeah. at each other like it, it's still going. And because like, it's out of yeah. the ordinary, you know. And and in that sequence, like I just I found other things funnier, like two of my absolute favorite moments from that sequence this time was his performance and just how mm, yeah. out of it he yeah, is. And it's it's like the two guards are carrying around someone completely wasted. <laughs> and the editing of Michael York, a Basil expedition and like uh-huh. the, the, the Soviet and the general, the way they, they pretty much just reused the same footage of them looking over uh-huh. and over again. And it was just a little editing gag that I, I found pretty amusing. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I always have found just the, the right, the very, uh, funny and to the point uh spoofy writing warm liquid goo phase yeah i'm a fan of that yeah i thought that was great and then it, when he wakes up i i, I find the um uh, the soviets won the cold war uh and he's just like oh yeah those capital capitalist pigs will pay for their crimes hey eh, comrades <laughs> like no we won oh yeah yay capitalism <laughs> i thought that was funny they, they do a really good job of like uh, i think there there was you know despite this being just kind of goofy broad comedy i feel like there is a little nugget of this uh this kind of interesting idea of like you know what the 60s in essence like the the kind of free love spirit was about mm-hmm. in contrast to the the 90s kind of having in theory you know similar kind of ambitions and similar kind of levels of hope and stuff and uh but through the lens of like political correctedness and uh yeah i don't know meanwhile yeah socially so it's this interesting contrast of like similar values but in a much different way and through a much different and more i guess socially responsible potentially way it's uh it's interesting how uh, it's almost surprisingly spot on the way so when they tried to bring james bond back in the 90s with pierce brosnan they were scared because they were worried the cold war was over this guy this character is done and so they actually wrote that into the script let's have okay now we'll have rogue like i think they had um uh Sean Bean play, you know, like the whole movie's about a rogue agent who gets all bad and stuff. And it was kind of, it was okay, but I feel like this movie kind of nailed it a little better in a way like how do you take a like a relic idea from a cold war about, you know, oh, a spy just fighting for fighting for capitalism, but in, like instead switching the villain from instead of a cold war-esque villain, let's Number two nails it when he says, you know, corporations own the world mm-hmm. now. And to have Dr. Evil's whole thing be, you know, we're a quote unquote legitimate business while also funding our world domination thing. It's it, it, it ended up being it yeah. ended up working, you know. And I feel like they incorporate some of that into the set design of Dr. Evil's layer. Like it's very much like this is classic James Bond villain layer, but also with the kind of, uh, you know, the desks and the, this, the outfits and stuff, the, the cold kind of feel of a corporate environment as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think they really build on that in the sequel, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think uh, they move on from cable companies to Starbucks in the second. I really I love the uh, it, it's kind of trite, but I love the rhythm of the penis pump bit of the <laughs> denial and then just slowly it building more and more all the proof. That it's his up to the point where he has a book 
Yeah. I was like, yeah, it, it yes, it is my bag, baby. <laughs> is the book title super funny. Yeah. Uh, I liked my, my, that, and I liked the the danger. Yeah, you know, like for danger powers, he's like, no, danger is my middle name, and then everything after that, it's just in in writing Austin danger powers. <laughs> yeah, I think the next bit that like really worked for me, and and kind of like you know, it, it's always been funny to me, but. uh I guess I, I got to appreciate it more just thinking about it in, in the context of his own career was uh, Will Ferrell's joke here, Will Ferrell's character, mm-hmm. and just how much he sells this scene and is such a memorable character here in such a short moment. But this was like just a year or two after he had started on SNL. I think this was his first notable feature film appearance and he killed it and <laughs> half of it's like off screen too oh yeah it's all an off screen performance and he's just it's all 80 yard and uh-huh. he's just yeah screaming some of you i know some of you i'm meeting for the first time uh-huh. Uh-huh. hello there anyone can someone call an ambulance i get quite a lot of pain okay you've all been gathered here to form oh. my evil cabinet excuse me <laughs> yes he's down there no not there Burnt badly. Yes. Right. If somebody could open the retrieval hatch down here, I could get out. See, I designed this device myself. Oh, hi. Good. I'm glad you found me. Listen, I'm very badly burnt, so if you could just. You shot me! Okay, moving on. You shot me right in the arm! Why did you. And a lot of that is Mike Myers. Uh, you mentioned his just uh, amazing improvisation as Dr. Evil here. And it just like such a great physical performance and the subtleties. Mm. But I feel like just watching him react and just his level of annoyance as this guy just won't die. Yeah. Super great. They worked off each other really well. And uh, it, it's awesome to see in the sequel him get another chance and, and a longer scene. <laughs> yeah. It's like after that they they do they introduce Vanessa Elizabeth Hurley's character and I feel like her character is interesting it's it works in some ways and it's also a non-character in others it's also you know kind of a trite depiction of a woman and like I mean I I understand they like wanted his values to brush up against the 90s and so they wanted her to kind of uh present and monogamy to him and kind of mm-hmm. you know get him to understand that i guess but just they did that through her being jealous over all this stuff and it kind of made her yeah. into this really cliche um yeah but i mean i i do appreciate that she is kind of the uh the focal point for his his change if you oh, yeah. call it that even though it's kind of a silly arc uh, I feel like it, for the 90s, it was probably an incredibly progressive. Yeah, that's a good way but to put it. But for now, it just, it feels like she's a non-character. Mm. And like, oh, okay, so let's, okay, she's also a nerd. Oh, that's depth, but it's not really depth kind of uh, thing. Yeah. It's quirky. Yeah. But uh, I think the casino sequence here has some of the best quotes. <laughs> That is one crazy get-up you got there, fella. Hey, thank you. 
Are you in the show? Uh, no, actually, I'm English. That whole thing, that whole thing, the five blackjack uh-huh. sequence, and it's the it's also a, a good Bond nod where you're just like, how, everyone knows this guy is Austin Powers, and mm-hmm. or in the James Bond, you know, everybody knows this guy is James Bond. You know, the the villain knows who he is, and yet he could still walk in and just use a different name, specifically Riching Cunningham and his wife Oprah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and nobody bats an eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, that, that was great. Tom Arnold, pretty funny in this. Uh, kind of yeah, working off kinda of pseudo Austin Powers. Yeah, it's or just interesting. a bit part. All of the, the Austin Powers sequences are interesting. Like it, the, his side of the movie, because it kind of fluctuates in that sometimes he's the straight man, but often he's the kind of goofball. But I feel like it almost works better when he's the straight man. In the scenario, yeah. like that one, like with Tom Arnold kind of being the punchline. Uh, I, I feel like they really emphasize that in the sequels and make him more of just kind of the straight character. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a handful of these sequences where it's just kind of him being the goofball, working off of Vanessa or working off of Michael York, they're not as funny. I don't know. I think he's... Uh, he just they they don't I think they didn't know how to nail him as a kind of like you know a punchline deliverer. Sometimes it works where he's nailing you know like the like I said the the blackjack and he's he, yeah, he plays yeah. a five and it's just that like a good sequence. This guy clearly doesn't know how to play. Right, there blackjack. you are. Uh, do I know you? No, but that's where you are. There. That was the line I was going to talk about. I almost spilled the beans in the first episode. I, I don't know why I found that so funny as a kid and still do. It's a funny line. And you can it's use a that. It's a funny line. It, it's one that works anywhere. You know, you could just use that in life. I feel like those are the best and quotes. And it will confuse just as many people as it does that guy. <laughs> I'm jumping forward. And, like, maybe this is a connection to some of the background that you, you told me about in the last one where you said that uh, Seth, Seth Green was up for a carrot top movie but yeah this was a bit i don't think i ever knew or ever like cataloged in my brain when i was a kid and watched this but austin powers is spying through the evil plans and a part of the evil scheme is carrot top movie oh, i didn't which, see that which i wrote down and i was like this is a weird and funny bit and like <laughs> the only bit in this movie that's jabbing at another comedian that's a strange wow moment. i did not see that <laughs> but yes, speaking of all that, um, what did you think of the the Scott Evil, Doctor Evil sequences? Oh, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, especially I love the group therapy with Gary Fisher. Yeah, I think that's one of the funniest scenes of the movie. Uh, it also just the the non sequiturs he throws I wrote in there. Down a, I wrote down a line from his monologue. Yeah, at yeah. The, in the spring, we'd make meat helmets. Yeah, there it's was never so, explained. There was so many like kind of fun like just random european-esque uh non sequiturs there yeah my father would womanize he would drink he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy <laughs> and I, I like that he, he almost like compliments his dad for that level of craziness mm-hmm. but uh yeah no i feel like that, that's one of the it was a great enough scene that they had to redo it with jerry springer in the sequel. Oh, absolutely. Classic comedy shtick. And like you mentioned before with Seth Green being the, the dramatic 
straight man here. That's definitely what glues together Dr. Evil here. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it makes this scene work so well in, in his comic exuberance. I remember when I was a kid laughing so hard, in fact, quoting and, and performing when right after, you know, like they have, you know, like the, when they're first introduced and they're fighting and the, he does the Macarena. And mm-hmm. this time around, I feel like it was just paced really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I was zoning out there. It didn't stick out to me. Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, he's doing the thing that I remember. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's, uh, but they, I mean, there's so much good back and forth between them through that all, all that segment. Like, when Austin Powers gets to the facility, other than like him in that cart and like the, uh, the kind of respin on the, uh, uh, it's called Wanda, like running over Michael yeah, McDonald thing. Vehicle, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, other than that, there's not that many great Austin Powers gags, but Dr. Evil kind of steals the show for the last half of the movie. Like him in that really plastic does. suit. And, uh, <laughs> it just, yeah, you mentioned it before. There's just so much great comedy, uh, physical improv that he gives with that dumb chair scooting around. <laughs> uh, it always rolls way more than he wants it to. And, uh, yeah, in that, that fucking ridiculous plastic suit and uh, just the, the, the another <laughs> he's bit. He's trying to, he's crossing his arms and it just keeps going up. Yeah, I, yeah the, the physical comedy there is fantastic. There's, there's also the other bit that they rehashed and, like, you know, him telling Scott to shush and they turned it into Zip It in the sequel. Yeah. Um, I feel like all these bits are golden. You know, there's a reason why they kind of rehashed them and rewrote them and made them bigger and different. Because, uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they're really funny. And uh, la- uh, sea basses with lasers attached to their heads. <laughs> yeah, I love the arc of that that scene, that sequence. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, once they get to the facility, it, um, well, okay, even before that, I think there's a, a good 15-minute, pa- maybe not that long, maybe it's like five minutes, five-minute pause to like i guess develop the austin powers uh vanessa relationship and the whole sequence is fine it's it's it 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 works to i guess develop austin's character Mm -hmm. a little more than anything else and but it feels really abrupt she never even like they never give them a moment where he's just like she's like okay yeah i'll 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 accept going a night on the town with you and just give Mm -hmm. up searching for dr evil for a, a time and it just kind of jumps to it as it feels a bit abrupt and like a strange i wonder if there was an editing thing like there i don't was know a yeah and or something it, I, it seems like just very like kind of you know uh more uh first drafty kind of script stuff and maybe they thought that like Austin would be like, I mean, I think that would work in a typical comedy rom-com kind of thing. But I think because all these characters are so cartoonish, it makes you not be as interested in them as individuals and as human beings kind of thing. If there's no comedy in the scene. Uh, Yeah, it's true. Um, But I mean, like, like I said, the whole sequence was fine. It was just, yeah. It's kind of boring. You know, it didn't really add much. Yeah, a little bit boring. It, it kind of humanized. Austin a bit more, but not really much yeah, else. Sure. I, and, I do um, like the montage of him like trying to catch up on the '90s there. Uh, oh yeah, that was great. I forgot about that. With him putting the CD on the record player, I feel like that was a fun way for them to add a little comedy, a little fish out of water into the yeah movie that you know it didn't have that too much of before, other than Doctor Evil being like you know his his whole bits around 
the evil plans that have already taken place. And in a lot of ways from there on out, from that sequence on, he pretty much played straight man for the rest of the movie. Mm. Like, I mean, he had some sequences, like, but none of them were the funniest scenes yeah, from there yeah. on out. Yeah, like, there's like the Fembot stuff. and there's The Fembot the, stuff, the... Um, is it him in the in the car? You know, but that's not really him specifically. It's yeah, just kind of. But yeah, from there on out, it's pretty much Doctor Evil's movie. Yeah, and it, and it very much a like leaning hard into the James Bond spoof there at the end. And oh, absolutely, being very James Bond structured. Yeah, the other I, I feel like we covered all the bits here, other than the um the the blocking you know objects in front of naked parts that that whole thing. I don't. I'm assuming that had been done before but just not to this level of excessiveness kind of thing yeah but uh I, I find it creative you know it's it's one of these many bits from this movie that i saw like just way too many times and it's hard to like just appreciate and find amusing with, with, you know and not because it's just so you know kind of overdone now and just kind of part of the cultural language Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, it's creative. And it took a scene that would have been kind of just boring exposition of them catching up with, with the boss man uh, or with Mrs. Kensington and stuff, like, and added humor to it and really yeah. creative humor, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'll, Agreed. I'll, I'll appreciate those. I'll give them, give them a little nod in, in the creative use of sad and blocking. Look, I, 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 I'll give them that. But, yeah, I, I'm curious if you have any other notes on Austin Powers before we... Ask the big question: How has it aged? And then hop out of here. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I wrote down a few sequences, or not just sequences, just notes while I was watching it. I'd like to bring up random task. Uh huh. Instead of odd job, yeah. It's Instead of odd funny. job, who throws a hat? Random task throws a shoe. Just equally ridiculous. Honestly, who throws a shoe? And maybe more practical too. Like I feel like a shoe would hurt more than a hat. Yeah, but you got to take it off, and then you're shoeless. Yeah, no, I mean, it's silly either way. It's a dumb idea. I guess, yeah. It was a dumb idea. Well, I guess Odd, Odd Job had a weaponized hat. It wasn't a regular hat, but no, it was it was really <laughs> ridiculous. And yeah, good on them for pointing out the ludicrousness of yeah the James Bond films. I wrote down, we already talked about the Lucky Charms. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was great. Yeah, there was. A, I feel like I, I started to see a lot of connections this time around with what Mike Myers finds funny. You know, a lot, a lot of this kind of like branding. Like, I feel like a little advertising kind of jingles and stuff that yeah. appear from in his head and stuff, and just like over-explaining. I feel like is a, is a common recurring kind of humor uh, motif in this movie. That's true. And in in, in Wayne's world, and, and not in, in a bad world, yeah. way. Yeah, it just it seems no. like that's kind of a tick to his writing and something that he finds funny. Yeah, like him doing strange, one-off mono like just monologues for a mm-hmm. while, is yeah a, a Myersism. But yeah, the I th- I think I think the Lucky Charms bit works so well because I, and and she doesn't I don't think she's been utilized in any other comedy film quite as well as mindy sterling did as her role of frau yeah it was a great character and i i think just like everything in this movie it gets expanded on in in the sequel in really funny mm-hmm. ways and fun ways oh yeah um and then i guess because once again i'm gonna i'm gonna roll my eyes here this is a audible i how do you how do you roll your eyes audibly um I guess we talked about this before. It's just a it's just a Tim Allen sound. Uh? But 
we've talked about it in all the other episodes since Swiss Army Man. And we'll talk about it again. The hot tub fart. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got a fart joke in here. I forgot about that. Yeah, this, for something so broad, uh, this is pretty devoid of fart jokes. Uh, the yeah. sequels... It goes way, way Go further. real hard into that, but... Yeah, uh, yeah this one was actually a little more in, in good taste with lack of gastro gastrointestinal humor. Yeah, and nothing against a good fart joke or a bad fart joke, you know, uh... A fart, a fart, a fart's a fart. Farts are funny. I, I, I'm okay with that. I, I can come to terms with that. But yeah, <laughs> it's it's a cheap funny, you know. And sometimes movies like play a little hard into that just for the sake of it being an easy, low hanging fruit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I thought it it, it was okay one. It, it wasn't bad. Yeah, it was an okay yeah. fart. It didn't really make it, me laugh. But uh, no, it was it was in one of the sequences that wasn't particularly funny either, as well. So. Yeah. Which is usually why most movies will throw in a fart of like, okay, well, this is our last option for something to throw in this scene and yeah. make it funny in any way. Yeah, last resort. But I think we we need to hop on into how has it aged and wrap this one up, it, even though we've kind of jumped around and already talked about a bit about uh, Elizabeth Hurley's character. and yeah. And that might have been the whole discussion right there, to be honest. I'm curious if you have any other things to add in here. There was a lot of, and I think it was done in an intentional way, but even so, I could see some eye rolls for, from, you know, like some, there was a lot of um, just really stereotypical cultural stuff in a way that I feel like it didn't, it didn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see it offending too many people or like straight up hurting anybody's feeling, but I could see some eye rolls with, uh, this one doesn't do it nearly as bad as the sequels, but, uh, I thought it was kind of amusing to have every member of the United Nations, like a different goofy outfit from oh, whatever culture what they were in by the culture stuff. Yeah. I mean, as much as I praised Will Ferrell's character, you know, it is. Bit weird nowadays, you know, with him. I, 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 with I forget the fez it. on, and the yeah, and the accent, accent, you know, yeah. I don't know if he was trying to be a, a Desi indie or like what that native, you know, what nationality, ethnicity he was going for there. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely not Will Ferrell's actual one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with and you. And I mean, there. like nothing was. Yeah, it was. It was like the worst it would get would be an eye roll. But yeah, I guess if if we're scrutinizing the film, it should be pointed out. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, like you know, as we've said in a lot of movies, like just lack of people of color in general. You know, I feel like yeah, I, absolutely. I feel like those two things together make for a bad combo of yeah, you know, white people playing, uh, playing up accents that are not their own, mixed with like no actual people of you know color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, we've kind of scrutinized the the Austin Vanessa thing, the lack of any character in in on Vanessa's end. Like yeah. it's it's not her movie at all. Um, the internet, there were quite a few articles I read that gave props to the scene where she was really drunk and he wouldn't do anything and say, uh, "No, you're drunk. It would be wrong." And yeah. so, I would agree with that. Not the Austin Powers way. And, um, you know, for a character that was so big on, you know, shagging and, and you know, like the, the, for him to do that, I thought that was that was good for a 90s film to point out. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't really have much else here, and we're going a little long. I think we should wrap this one up, and yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the next one kind of thing. Yeah. But as always, feel free to reach out to us at gagrealpod at gmail.com or go to gagrealpod.com or look on the Facebook or Twitter for at gagrealpod. Uh, it's unclear when this is going to be posted, so... Not sure what the next episode is. I might edit that in later. We'll see. Yeah, we'll have a, a whole blurb on the news of the day, too, just just to make it feel really up to date. <laughs> but as always, have a good one. Take it easy. Keep it gag real. Pod. Pod.com. It's over now.